Sometimes life is messy. Have you ever wished you could refocus your mind, home, relationships, and work life? Join us as we use research-based information to make practical changes and simplify life. This is Life Simplified. Welcome to Life Simplified and welcome to a new month. We are officially into the fall season and all the things fall includes, like pumpkin spice, sweater weather, and the holiday season. With that being said, today we're going to talk about preparing for holidays and special occasions, but probably not in a way that you usually think about. The focus of our holiday preparation today is going to surround around grief. And if you've been here with us before, you know that I like to tackle the tough topics. Holidays and special occasions can be a trigger or reawakening of grief. So it's important that we anticipate the emotions that we might experience during those times. But before we talk about how to cope with grief and those emotions during the holidays, we have to kind of back up a little bit and discuss what exactly grief is all about. So ladies, I wonder, as I was planning for this, um, and all of the information today is coming from our University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Living with Loss series, um, and we're specifically going to focus on understanding grief and then grief triggers. So when I was researching, I came across three words that I think a lot of time we times we use interchangeably, but they do have sort of a different meaning and a certain aspect of when we have loss. So those words are bereavement, grief, and mourning. Have you ever thought about those or the meaning of each of those words? I would use them interchangeably. And probably more so grieving and mourning mm -hmm. rather than bereavement. But I would, I just think of them all being related. Yeah, I think that's common. I felt the same way. And I think I probably would have just swapped them in and out as if they had the exact same meaning. And they are related um, in that they all have to do with loss, but they kind of play a different role in in the the loss experience and so i thought it might be important to sort of point out the differences in them so bereavement according to psychology today is the period in which a person is in a state of loss that occurs after someone has died um then in the book the last ants encountering death and dying the authors point out that the root word for bereavement actually means shorn off or torn up. Um, so the root word of bereavement itself actually suggests that something has been taken from you against your will. So it actually has to do with the period of time. So it's just that the saying that someone has had a loss, someone has had something taken from them against their will. And then grief, which I think is probably the most common word that we use, um, is the complex reaction to loss. And so this is what we usually think about when someone passes. It can be intense. It can be overwhelming. Um, and we often associate it with pain and particularly emotional pain. 
it's important to note that grief is universal. So everyone experiences it, but it's also highly personal. So although we all experience it, we will all experience it um, in our own way. And so you can't really compare your grief with someone else's grief because it is such a personal life experience. Each loss that you experience, you may experience grief in a completely different way, um, depending on the person, the relationship, and the manner in which the loss occurs. Grief affects our feelings and thoughts, but it also impacts every aspect of our lives, such as our physical, behavioral, and spiritual life. So it's kind of all-encompassing, but it roots in our reaction emotionally and our thoughts. And then mourning, which I think we also use this word, but again, maybe not as common as grief, is the process you go through to integrate the loss into your life. So it's the action. It's what you actually do um, in response to the loss. So it's when we cry or we write thank you notes because someone brought us food. It's the wearing of black to the funeral or maybe in the days following. It's those rituals that we participate in that help us to move toward hope and healing. So I tried to break it down in a way that that kind of worked for me, and hopefully it makes more sense for everyone else. Um, so I would say bereavement is the time period following a loss. Grief is the emotional experience of loss. And mourning are the actions done to integrate the loss into your life. So that new normal that you establish after a loss. So having said all of that, do y'all have any, any comments or thoughts on Kind of defining out those words that we've probably all heard, but maybe not all really taken a look at. Well, I've never really thought of them being separate. Yeah, kind of like Ashley had had uh, talked about earlier. I kind of used them interchangeably, but you really did a good job of explaining the difference of them. Thanks. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt like we all kind of just use them. We've heard them. We have an idea of what they are, but it kind of helps to break it down and understand that while they all have to deal with our loss, they have different um, true meanings and parts of that loss experience. The next thing I kind of want to touch on for a second is the five stages of grief. And so I'm wondering, um, what do you all know about the five stages of grief? Have you heard about this before? Is it anything that you know anything about, or is it a new concept to you? I really don't know far as what the five stages of grief, but I've always heard there's, you have a roller coaster of emotions that you go through after somebody that has been close to you, family member, close friend, after their passing. So I guess it kind of in a way would be similar to that, but there, I'm, I'm curious to see what the five stages is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a roller coaster probably would be an accurate description for a lot of people's experience with grief. I don't know that I could name all five or any of them mm-hmm. in the right order, but denial, anger, those are two that really mm-hmm. pop out. Yeah, I always remember the anger one. Mm-hmm. That's I know that's it's there the somewhere. Sticks out, yeah. It is. It is absolutely there. The five stages of grief were originally developed by Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and this was all the way back in 1969 that she first started kind of getting this together. But Kubler Ross and David Kessler actually revised 
the five stages of grief, reintroduced it in the book that they wrote together back in 2005 that's called On Grief and Grieving. And so what's important to note before we go through these five stages is that not everyone will experience all five stages. So there's no rule that says you have to experience all five of these things. And you may not experience the stages in any particular order. So it's not like a start, go one, two, three, four, five, you're done. Um, You may bounce around, you may re-experience one, go from one to the other, you may skip over them. So there's no right or wrong way to experience these stages, but they are all very common for people going through grief. So the first one that they discuss is denial. And so I think Ashley mentioned maybe that she had heard denial was was a stage, and it certainly is. And it's a very common one. Um, but when they refer to that, they're referring to that extreme sense of shock or those feeling of numbness, hopelessness. And this is the point where the individual may be having difficulty accepting their loved one's death. Now, I want to make it clear that that doesn't mean that they're denying the person has passed. They're, they they know the person is no longer there. What the denial is about is about how their life will be different moving forward. So seeing what the future holds, how that picture is going to be a little bit different now that that individual is not there. And I want everyone to know that denial is absolutely a normal response to grief. So you don't have to be concerned about yourself or about loved ones if they're in this stage. It It's common it's normal. um, And it's just sort of part of the processing of the experience. The next one is anger. And I think we were all pretty common. um, We heard anger. And I think the interesting thing is that you all had heard anger, but I don't know how common it is that we want to express anger during a loss. I think that's one of those feelings that we acknowledge people feel, but we don't necessarily feel comfortable with expressing it. And so anger is the result of extreme pain and sorrow. And sometimes um, when you lose a very close loved one, you can have feelings of abandonment, even though they may have had zero control over the situation that took them from you. It can feel like an abandonment. And so there can be anger um, that comes with that. And I want you to know that it's very important to allow yourselves to feel that anger because as we express it and as we share it, it tends to lessen in its intensity. And so holding it in is not going to make it go away. It's probably going to make it actually get bigger. And I try and explain it like it's kind of like if you have a Coke bottle and you shake it up and you shake it up and you shake it. If you let a little bit of that out at a time, then when you open it, you usually don't have an explosion of soda everywhere. But if you just shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, and you let it off all at once, it kind of makes a mess. And our emotions tend to do the same things. Um, So if we aren't good at kind of letting that out of us a little bit at a time, sharing those things, and we sometimes end up with an emotional explosion and it can get messy for ourselves and for others. And also know that anger shows the intensity of the love and care you have for the person. So you're not angry because you don't like them. You're angry because they were important and valuable to you. The third one is bargaining. And this is when we get into our what ifs. And if you're like me, we can what if things 
all day long. Um, and we typically don't get a great, great outcome from that. But what we're doing here is we're having thoughts of what we could have done or said differently, or maybe what could have been changed. And sometimes we go back and forth between anger and bargaining um, because the emotion of anger is so strong. Then we want to bargain. Um, we we think the what ifs. And so you may go back and forth between those two stages um, frequently as you're processing through your feelings. The next one is depression. And so I want to talk about this one for just a second because it's a little bit different than the others. And this is one that not everyone will experience. But if you do, it's very important that you seek support. So what I want you to know is grief and depression can look a lot alike, but grief will typically lessen in intensity over time. So with all of the things we've discussed in the mental health realm, when you're thinking about the depression stage, I really want you to think um, what is the intensity and the duration? Like we've talked about before, has this been going on for a very long time? And is the intensity not decreasing at all? Um, because that may not be typical grief. It may have edged over into a mental health challenge or concern. And we want to make sure that we address that with um, outside help and support. Depression may include a sense of hopelessness or maybe feelings of a lack of purpose in your life without your loved one. If those are things you're experiencing, then you want to reach out for that support through a grief support group, a grief counselor, maybe starting with your friends and family. Just very important that you talk to someone who you feel safe with and you can trust. And we will discuss that a little bit more later on as well. But just know that if you're experiencing some of those thoughts and that and you feel like it's more depression and not typical grief, then you want to seek that support. And then... The last stage, the fifth stage that they discuss is acceptance. And so once you get to acceptance, and again, you may bounce back and forth, you may hit acceptance and then go back to anger and then come back again. Um, but that is the ability to live with the pain of the loss and create a new routine. This doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're okay with the loss and we don't ever think about it and we don't ever miss that person. That just means that we have developed a new normal for ourselves where we are able to accept the loss and continue on with our daily activities and just create that new routine for ourselves without that individual being in our life. And the whole point of grief is to get to this point where eventually you can find that state of acceptance where I still love my my loved one. I still miss them, but I'm able to move forward with my life and create my new routine. Before we move on, ladies, any comments or thoughts on those five stages? I like how you reminded us that we will move in and out of the stages. Yeah, it's ever changing and it's so personal. Yeah, and another thing we need to think about as well, you know, if you lose a parent or whatever, whoever your loved one is, that everybody goes through different stages. Not everybody's going to go through the same sp stage mm -hmm. at the same exact time. And so we all need to give each other grace, you know, because somebody may be going through the depression stage where somebody's already back up to anger. We all we always need to keep that in mind. Just because you grieve a certain way does not mean that everybody grieves that way. I love that, Joni, because you're right. It's very rare that we are the only human that is grieving 
the loss of that certain individual. There's usually multiple people and we're around them because we're grieving together because typically we're family or close friends and we've had similar experiences with them. It can be difficult to see someone else grieving differently than yourself. And I think that's because of the pressure we put on ourselves to do things right. And so we think, well, if they're doing it that way and that's right, then I'm wrong. So I'm going to tell them they're wrong because I want to be right. And the reality is, like we said before, it's a very personal experience. Everyone's going to do it differently. There's no right or wrong. Um, And it's not up to us to judge how someone else experiences the grief stages. We're just to be there and support and love and encourage. And if we do find that we have a loved one or ourselves that's that may be um, getting thick into that depression stage, then we reach out and support and offer help. That's great. Thank you for pointing that out, Joni. So these stages, like we said, will can bounce around. And then also it's important to know there is a term, and I think I even mentioned it in the opening today, and you might have wondered what it was, but there is a term that's called reawakened grief. And so reawakened grief is intense feelings and emotions that are triggered by holidays or other special occasions. And so even though we may have lost someone years ago and we've been through those stages of grief and we have found acceptance 99% of the time, it is still possible to have certain occasions or experiences trigger that reawakening of grief because of the memories that they bring up, because of the experiences they bring up. And it doesn't even have to just be um, a holiday or a special occasion. It could be, grief could be reawakened by smells or sights or songs or traditions or other people's deaths that we then are going through that process of grieving um, or even new events or exciting events in our own life that we think our loved one would have enjoyed being there. And so then we kind of pull that memory back up and it, and it brings it back to the surface. And so all of that to say is grieving is never completely over. I think we can find our new normal and we can find some peace with it. But there will always be things that can come along and kind of trigger us to maybe cycle back into some of those stages for a short time. And the holiday season is definitely one of those times when that can be really prevalent for us. So whether you are grieving a recent loss or a loss that has been several years ago, I think it's important for us to be aware of the idea of reawakened grief and to prepare ourselves for the holiday season. And so we know there are a lot of events coming up in the next couple months that could be possible triggers in this way. And we think about the sights and sounds and smells. I think the holidays bring those kind of things along with them as well. So I really want us to kind of think about ways that we can begin to cope with that. But before we go into that, I'm just wondering, ladies, have you ever heard of or experienced reawakened grief? I can say I have. We lost my mother-in-law a little over a year ago. And uh, there's certain things that I see or, or I hear or even see her name like on Facebook or even in my phone because I haven't deleted her number out of my phone. And there's a lot of times that I'll see it, you know, I'll think about something that, you know, she's said or done to encourage me throughout the years or just, you know, to bring back the memories of her last days on earth with us, but also throughout the years since I've been in the family. So I can honestly say that I have. 
Thank you for sharing that. And I think the longer that we know someone, the, the, the more experiences we have with that individual, the more opportunity there are for those things to come up that are reminders of them. Uh, mine is related to the holidays and the traditions. I lost my grandparents, both of them. It's been probably 10 years, but I remember like we'd always go to their house and we'd make candy and things like that. And so when the holidays comes around, I'll remember like, oh, I remember when you used to do that. And now that I have a son, I'm like, man, I really wish he was around to participate you know, they were around so he could participate in those activities and, and just get to know them. And so it's, it makes me think about traditions I can start or start to carry on and things that I can do with him. But I I didn't really think about it and reawaken grief, but um, I like the, to know what it is now that I have experienced it. Yeah, I think it, It's interesting because it's a term that I don't think is commonly used, but I think we can all relate to it once we hear what it actually is. Yeah, it's definitely not a term that I knew, but it's one that I have experienced multiple times. And like Amanda said, it's around the holidays. And like Joni said, it can just hit you out of nowhere when you see a name. And I think it really just depends on who the person is. And we've all experienced numerous losses and we've grieved different people in our lives. And I think of birthdays as Mm -hmm. being a big one or something that like you've, like has been said, if your child is doing something and you think, oh, it would really be amazing if so-and-so were here to see this. I've definitely experienced it and I'm glad to know the term for it now. Yeah, I think a couple of you, I think Amanda and Ashley, you both hit on, especially like those new events where you're like, man, they would have loved to be here for that. They would have loved to see that. And I think we think of that about all of our loved ones that are not here with us because we so would like for them to experience that activity with us or our children or whatever that accomplishment is that we have done. Um, It's hard to think about them not being there with us. Um, And I will say for myself, reawaken grief can come at us in so many different ways. Don't be surprised if it comes at you and you're not expecting it. Like for myself, I've experienced certain losses and and I don't want to get into details because I don't want to trigger anybody listening to this. But I know that I have ex- had experiences where I'm innocently watching a movie with my spouse and some content in the movie will really just bubble it up to the surface. And so just in everyday living, things can come up that really bring up these emotions that, like I said, probably 99% of the time we feel like I'm in the acceptance stage. I'm doing great. I'm just living life. But because these were precious people to us and precious memories to us, there are going to be those moments that kind of catch us off guard and we have those emotions and that's okay. Again, I want you all to know that it's so, so normal. It's part of the human experience. So don't be ashamed by it or embarrassed by it or scared of it. It is just, it means that we have truly built strong relationships and that we have loved others. And so that's something we can be proud of and glad that we have that in our life. But there are some things that we can do going into the holiday season or dealing around special occasions that we know are coming up that can help us to prepare. And so 
The very first tip is exactly that. Prepare yourself. If you know a holiday or an anniversary or a birthday or a festival you always went to together is coming up and you know it's going to be particularly difficult, plan ahead. You know, one of the things that I've always liked to talk with any of my clients that I've seen in counseling is if they had a date coming up that they knew was going to be especially hard, we to plan, how would you like the day to go? What would you like that day to look like ideally? And we cannot always control all those things, but we can think about it. Sometimes you want to have people around you so that you can be distracted, so that you're not alone and sitting in your thoughts or your emotions. You want to kind of plan something in your day to make it maybe not so difficult. Or sometimes you want to be alone and be able to just feel your feelings and have that peace and that time alone, that solitude to go through that day. The great news is there's no right or wrong way to do it. But if you plan ahead, you're more likely to have your expectations and your wishes met than if you just hope the people in your life know that you either want them there or want them to go away. It's better if we can speak that truth out loud to them so that they can understand how to best support us in that. So think about how you want the day to go, plan for a distraction or plan for support. Do what you feel like you need in that space. Another tip is permit yourself to feel your emotions. Like I said before, you don't want to make a mess. You don't want to bottle up those emotions. You don't want to shake it up and push it down and push it down until you can't handle it. It's really important to feel what you're going to feel. It goes both ways, though, because a lot of times some of these events could be a holiday that you love. So we get to that holiday and we feel happy, but then we feel guilty that we're happy because I'm supposed to be sad because that person's not there with me. Or I'm sad, but I feel guilty that I'm not happy for the other people that are involved in this. The great news is we're allowed to feel more than one feeling at a time. So it's okay if you feel both happy to be with the people you're with and experiencing the event you're experiencing and sad that that individual is not with you. It's all right to do both. I think if you've ever heard anybody say, sometimes you might have to laugh and cry at the same time. And that's all right. And I think the people around you will understand that. Um, And if it's people who know you and know your heart, they're going to support you and help you get through that. So Allow yourself to feel and don't feel embarrassed by those emotions. Reflect on your memories with your loved one. Another way that we can kind of get through tough dates, tough tough holidays is to look at those pictures, to tell those stories, to think about all those things that we truly loved about that individual. Um, And so we can do it a couple different ways. Sometimes we want to get together with other people that that knew that loved one and we want to share those stories and we want to look at those pictures together and we really want to kind of be there with other people getting to talk about those things. And sometimes we want to be alone and we want to think about those things for ourselves. So maybe it would be better for you if you like to be alone to write in a journal to be able to kind of get those thoughts and those memories and those feelings down on paper for you, where it's for your thoughts and, and your privacy and you don't have to share it. Again, there's no wrong way. You have to do what feels right for you. 
create a tradition. And I love this one because a lot of our emotions come around traditions we we had with that person. But there's nothing that says we can't create new traditions as well along the way. And those traditions can honor those individuals. So some suggestions are maybe you want to start a tradition of it at that holiday or that event. You're going to light a candle in memory or in honor of that loved one. Maybe you want to celebrate with their favorite meal or a favorite side dish that they always loved so that you can share those stories about them. Maybe it was something they made and there's some story about how they burnt it one holiday and everybody was so sad they didn't get to have it. Whatever it is, you can incorporate them into your celebrations that way. Maybe you want to have a place setting for them and leave a spot at your table in honor of that loved one um, so that you like their spirit is there with you and still enjoying that holiday or that day with with you and your family. Maybe you want to spend the day listening to music that they loved or doing something that you always did together with them in honor of them. There are so many ways that we can be connected to our loved ones through traditions and rituals and activities that it may help soothe our soul to do so. And then reaching out for support. When we know it's going to be a tough day, it's important for us to lean on our friends and our family who understand us and care about us and are there to listen to us. So we don't want to forget to do that. We don't have to face the tough days by ourselves. And you never know, that loved one may be struggling as well. That family member that you call on, they might say, yeah, I'm having a tough day too. Can we spend the day together? So then we're not alone and we can face this, you know, as a team. Also, you can look into things like bereavement support groups or grief counseling, particularly if you feel like that stage of depression could creep back in or if you're still struggling with that because it's a more recent loss. Then there's things you can do um, to find those groups and those counselors. You can search online and using those keywords, bereavement support group, grief counseling, you should be able to find those individuals that are close by to you. You can call a local counseling agency. Sometimes we can, you know, reaching out to your religious leaders, um, if that's something you participate in. A lot of times they have connections for support and guidance. And then even funeral home directors may be able to connect you to resources because they work in that industry all of the time and they know who those support people are and where those groups are meeting. And then the last tip is volunteer your time to a cause to commemorate your loved one. So that's another way that you can honor your loved one, maybe by giving a gift or a donation in their name to a cause that they were connected to. You know, if there was something that was really on their heart or that you know they really felt strongly about, being able to give back to that organization and their honor is a great way to really just remember them. And you can volunteer as well. What better way to spend a day where you miss someone you love and you cared about them volunteering in their honor and giving back to a community and helping others. It's a great way to get out of ourselves and be able to give back to other people while honoring someone that we loved so very much and respected. So there are other things we can do. This is definitely not an exhausted list, but there's some really good tips to get us started thinking about ways to care for ourselves and to kind of be pre-planning ahead as we go into this holiday season. So I'm just going to ask you, ladies, um, have you used any of these tips for coping before? Or have any of your family members, did you feel like any of these were helpful? Or maybe there's something we didn't mention that would be really great for us to discuss. 
we have started a little bit of a tradition of baking a birthday cake on this loved one's birthday. And this wasn't really a tradition, but for our wedding, you had mentioned a setting a place setting. We left a chair open for those that were missing and put pictures in that chair. I love that. Those are both such great ways to honor those individuals and to remember them. And, you know, you can be so creative. And so the birthday cake, I love that. I mean, I don't know that that's something we think about, but what a great way to be able to share those stories and segue into those conversations and looking at those pictures and then leaving a seat, you know, that just symbolic that they're not here with us, but they are here with us. And and we want to leave that spot open for them. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. I know this has been a heavy topic, but it's so important. And I really hope that there have been some suggestions and some ideas that will help you as you go into this holiday season. As always, when we discuss these tough topics, if you or a loved one is experiencing a mental health crisis, we encourage you to call 988, where you will be connected to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. There is help for you out there, and we want to make sure that you get that help. Thank you for joining us at Life Simplified. If you have any comments or suggestions for us, please, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Life Simplified. We are family and consumer sciences agents with the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Service. Contact us at lifesimplifiedpodcast at gmail.com.